how's it going? Good? Good. I'm feeling pretty good. Swell, some would say. I'm feeling swell and ready to have a little tossle because it's October. And just like every white bitch's Instagram is saying right now, I don't want to live in a world where there's no Octobers. <laughs> okay, truthfully, I do believe that I have previously posted that on my Instagram feed a couple of years back. So I am in on the joke. You know, I feel like you should probably be in on the joke in life, especially now, man. You got to be in on the joke, right? Yeah. Well, welcome back to Mad Yo Mighty. I'm your host, Megan Cipollone, and we are in for a treat today, people. You know why we're in for a treat? I'll tell you why we're in for a treat. It is, as I said before, it is October. It is the, yeah, blink of an eye, but it's my birthday month. And, you know, as somebody who has been always a little weird about birthdays, I love birthdays because I've always loved my birthday. I'm born on Halloween, as many of you all know. (laughs) And it's just always been so fun and so special. And I feel like it's gave me weirdly a little identity growing up. It's I think what originally started my my love for just all things weird and dark. I mean, I was a young child watching The Nightmare Before Christmas. Also, one of my other favorite movies when I was a young child was The Page Master with Macaulay Culkin. If you haven't seen it, freaking watch it. It's like an acid trip on hallucinogens, but not on hallucinogens. Just whoever created that movie was definitely on drugs, but it's one of the most... it's, It's also super amazing, and my favorite character was the little book horror so Macaulay Culkin's character like visits this library and he like is pedaling on his bike one day and it's like raining and it's so intense and he's got to go to this library to like check out these books it's been a minute since I've watched it but damn I watched it so many times that it's like burned in my brain and I had the stuffed animal of horror so like was a big fan and this was when I was little I'm talking like I have this picture of me and my brother like we're we're very young I'm And I'm so weird with age. Like, I don't even, I don't know. We're like babies still because like he's in a diaper in the picture. And like, I don't, I'm two years older than him. And we have our little books because we were so obsessed with the page master, which this movie has such like a crazy, it's, it's a very like intense movie covering a lot of topics at a very young age. Like essentially Macaulay Culkin goes, he gets, this big storm comes, right? There's always a big storm and a storm blows over and he gets stuck in the library and there's certain, and everything starts to like turn to a cartoon. Like it starts to rain and like the, it looks like the pages are melting and like these books, like he goes into these stories. So like one's the horror story, the adventure story, the fairy tale story. And each book is like a little cartoon character that like travels around with him honestly it's fantastic and like I said I had the little stuffed animal horror because he was the horror book he was the creepy book and when they travel into his land they go to like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and it's like this whole weird scene and creepy scene and then so like loving that I loved loved um the Wizard of I, I love the Wizard of Oz which is like a pretty oddly dark it's great and it's like a it's like a favorite obviously it's a it's a 
loved a, a, a beloved treasure of America, but that was very into that all kind of darkness and then started getting into Tim Burton. So I, it's just, it's been instilled in me, which has created this love for the macabre and the dark and the, just this, not all the fuzzy, fuzzy, happy stuff. Sometimes I find too that there is, man, there's just, I, I think what's always drawn me to the dark is there's, uh, you know, just like stuff that has like a darker, darker themes. I, when I say darker themes, I, I don't necessarily mean scary. I just mean, well, I guess in those cases they were odd and it's kind of spooky, but I think I was just always drawn to like, I don't know, I guess I do just love macabre and supernatural, always have been very into it like wishing and praying, just watching anything that has to do with like also too when I was younger powers and superpowers and still just so obsessed with it now because I think I still have this belief in me that one day something's going to happen and like we're going to realize that, which we already do have power. I truly, truly do believe that we have intellect, well, more so of like emotional power and I guess intellect power too that's super I do believe that humans have traits and certain things that qualify us obviously we can't walk through uh, well not yet we can't walk through walls but if we're talking about different different realms and different theories and some people think otherwise we won't go down that path man I did not know I was going to be this uncaged I knew I was probably going to be uncaged it's been you know living that quarantine life working from home by yourself going to school full time at home by yourself with your dog you know you you have to find I have to constantly just keep keep going man you got to keep going because it does start to feel a little weird and does start to feel a little uh closed in so but I didn't know I was going to be going into the page master and um that whole depth I guess long story short as I'm saying happy birthday month to me and we're gonna I'm just gonna I feel like there's a lot of things that came out that right at the beginning of October that I was like, you know what? October might actually end up saving us. I just, so many things. Okay, so let's let's start with this, for example. I started my birthday month off with an absolute bang. I received a birthday wish, or a, a birthday wish came true that I have. It's something that I've always wanted in life. It's something that I've always have just wished for and thought about just who and where and how does it happen and why does it happen and why won't it happen to me? Those kind of wishes. But it finally came true. And I'll, I'll tell you, someone finally asked me to be their sugar baby on Instagram. And I am just absolutely flattered. I'm absolutely flattered. It is the most, it's something that I, you know, have dreamed of, have always wished not being, you know, really, I'm not being serious. There's no, you know, but there's part of me. There's part of me that has gone there and that has thought, you know, what if you just say yes? What if you just say yes? You know, you don't got to do anything weird. No one's got to know. You know, you keep things simple. You keep things quick and then you get out. But I'm a pussy and I don't think I ever would. I, I, I mean, you. I feel, I feel like you'd be foolish not to. Now, obviously on Instagram, I know everyone's probably like, Megan, you're an idiot. I know they're not real. Like, trust me. Like, I know that they're, it's either all spam or it's just some shit account. Like, it's not real. This is not lost on me by any means. But, you know, shit gets a little stale. I've been looking to have some fun. 
not okay not like that just like I'm I'm gonna bait the hook you know I'm just gonna say hey cool what are the what are the stipulations once again with no tent with no um like I'm not actually gonna do this but I'm just gonna see I'm it's like the people who like fuck with the telemarketers you know what I mean like they get them on the phone and they will loop them through oh yeah I'm getting I'm getting my bank account and then like they mess with you that's essentially like I'm like doing that I think it's kind of like catfishing except I'm kind of I guess being catfished as well it's like a double catfishing um so yeah I was like you know what why not so I was like yeah so what are the stipulations I or I was like is this even real and he's like yes and that's all he answered back I was like okay like that's boring and I didn't really see it through that's as far as I got with that one just really didn't feel I kind of lost the thrill was lost you know the thrill was the initial asking I was like oh my god somebody's asking to be their sugar baby even though I would never accept from some I like looked at the account I mean he looked like a normal guy actually actually like normal like didn't have a ton of posts like wasn't getting his picture taken by like some social media like photographer like wasn't trying to post like looked like a normal kind of dude and I was like hey one weird how do you find my account two still like how how does this even happen how do you just like find your way unless like they absolutely are like a spam account I never know how that works but you know what I don't need to know how it works because it just simply was a birthday wish that came true and that's all I need to know that's all I need to know on that same topic, you know how I said, stuff's getting a little stale. So, like, I need a little, like, zhuzh up. Not like I think I'm actually going to seek anything out. So, I recently resurrected a certain app, have not been on it in months. And, you know, I thought, yeah, why not? I'm bored. I feel like kind of looking at something. Let's see if there's any, like, attract, just anything attractive. Like, very high level swiping on tinder not looking for anything serious just like you know it just strictly like let's see because tinder's gotten pretty it's pretty bad like the amount of people that i say no to versus yes to is like is an extreme difference um just being like on it like the three days that i got back on it to swipe and so that being said i bought i try to get on i try to get on monday night i'm like you know what i'm bored let's do it literally i've only talked to like two people total get on it and I am my Twitter account has been banned (laughs) I'm just like what I was like is this a mistake like I think no 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 no. you have the wrong person like you got the wrong girl here I just thought it was the funniest thing I was like okay I was like all right this is a joke because literally I've been on this app for three days I have talked to two people and that's literally it and then I was like so I thought on it sent tinder an email like hey um just gave him a really kind of just quick little quip but like well written like hey um you know took a break from your platform just got back on um logged on to find that my account was banned I have absolutely no idea why this would be can somebody please contact me with details and then it hits me. I'm like, you know, well, my first thought was to these two motherfuckers, because I like didn't pursue things like one, I like cut it off and one, I just like didn't even text back because I didn't pursue things. I was like, these two motherfuckers went and like reported me because their dicks got cut off. Okay. That's a little aggressive because like they got turned down. 
that was my first thought. I was like really peeved. I was like, you know what? Really trying to trying to oppress a girl and get her freaking account banned on Tinder. Like, how dare you? Well, then it kind of sunk into me. I was like, well, there was that one conversation. And just like my um, sugar daddy on Instagram, I was like, you know, so this match with this one guy, he's cute. And the first message that comes in, there's a message at the bottom of Tinder that says, do you find this message offensive? And I read it and it says, made a bet with my buddy that, or yeah, made a bet with my buddy that, oh shit, okay, see like I knew I was going to get this. Basically, he said that he made a bet with his friend and his friend said that there's girls are weak and that there are no girls that would kick him in the balls and make him fall down. That was literally the like entrance. Okay, so I look at that message and I say, no, I don't find this message offensive, but I am do find it challenging and I am going to respond out of sheer boredness, not because I'm once again actually going to follow through with anything. So I said, or, and then he said, what, what would you, like, what would you, would you do it? And I was like, I mean, would I kick somebody in the balls and try to make them fall down? I was like, yeah. And then he, he was like, how much would you want? I said, I don't know, like 500 bucks, you know, just like thinking, like, I don't want to, I don't know. I've never kicked anyone in the balls as a bet. I'm just trying to think of my pricing. Like, do you go high? Do you go low? Like, what's too high? Is there a cap? So I was like, I don't, I don't know, 500 bucks. <laughs> just went big. I was like, 500 bucks. Once again. This is never going to happen. And the guy was like, said something dumb back. And I was like, this is, and I said, I said, this is what you're doing. I like kind of poked fun at it. I was like, okay, this is what you're doing on Tinder. And then he said like, oh yeah, like my buddy, like whatever. I was like, this is the dumbest thing. I was like, honestly, one, I'm once again, feeling challenged, feeling annoyed. I was like, you know what? Honestly, I'd probably, if I did it, I was like, I'd probably honestly make your friend, your buddy throw up. I was like, this guy is nuts. Just ask like, what like, is this really going on? Just asking to get kicked in the balls. Like this sounds, this is the weirdest thing. But like I said, quarantine bored. Why not? Why not entertain it and then throw it away? Right. So he asked like for my number and I'm like, what? Sure. He's hot. So like, I'll talk to him. Like what, what, what whatever through my number, get a text from a number that says, Hey, so like here you're wanting to do a bet. And at this point I'm like, all right, so it's not even the guy who texted me or is it the guy asking his friend? I was like, regardless of what this is, I'm, I'm over it now. I've had, once again, had my thrill, had my fun had a stupid conversation and was over it and didn't respond back. And then I got a message saying, how's Tinder? And I was like, didn't know because I hadn't been on. And then I found out I was banned. So once again, I think this is absolutely freaking hilarious. I am the least of Tinder's worries. Okay. I was challenged. I wanted to, I was challenged, obviously, would never in a million years meet up with any weirdo to kick him in the balls for money. But then once again, I feel like I have people who are probably like, why not? Well, obviously one, because we're in America and I don't want to get kidnapped and killed. But just like the sugar daddy, I mean, like, seriously, why, why not? But so, um, you know, just hanging out, um, 
Twitter band account, you know, I think it gives me some kind of street cred. So in this month of my birthday, of my birth, of thy birth, I'm just going to just roll. And that to me is a sign from the universe saying that I do not need to be wasting my time (laughs) on Tinder. In other news, um, another great, just fantastic birthday, Birthday Treat, my favorite band dropped their third album one of the happiest celebrations in a time of where I feel like we can just grab for anything that makes us happy right if music music brings so much joy to my life I listen to it all the time it is just something that is has be through this band has really surprised me at like how much music can affect really can like instantly affect my 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 mood and can literally kind of like sedate me and put me in this like very dreamlike state that makes me feel warm and good and like protected. I know everyone can relate. I know that's what music does, but this band truly, Lainey, truly does that. So what a not more amazing time. And they came out with their last album and I have like this weird fucking connection. They came out with their last album at the most perfect time too. It was right when I was going through the hu- a huge breakup, my last breakup for like my long time, um, long term relationship. Malibu Nights came, and that was like wild because it was like a it was like a breakup. It, I knew it was going to be so hard to listen to because it was a breakup album. The lead singer had just broken up with Dua Lipa, and it was totally just a broken hearted album. But it was so good. And so hard, but when listening to it a couple times, you really just are like, damn, like, I think the consistency that just makes me feel so at home with it is the vulnerability of the music. You know, it just feels good. So happy birthday. Happy birthday, Megan. Happy fucking birthday. And then another huge announcement came out. It just keeps coming. It's wild. That Borat 2 is going to be hitting Amazon Prime on October 23rd. I had, I mean, complete transparency. I don't know everything. Sometimes, I mean, I like to know a lot, but I don't, I mean, I don't, and I don't say that I know everything. I had no idea Borat 2 was even, a, was even a twinkle in its mother's eye. Like, the last Borat came out in 2006. It's been 14 years since the last Borat which is hilarious and like could actually make it I'm so I'm so excited Borat was a Borat was a huge part of like growing up I wish I did I don't even know the math right now of what grade I was in I I was in like middle school or early like freshman year high school middle school Okay, I'm going to, for my final answer, Regis, my final answer is eighth grade to freshman year is when Borat came out, which is a very pivotal moment in that weird, like, preteen where, like, you're watching these weird, like, it was just such a, like, cultural thing at the time. Like, everyone quoted it. Like, will you be my what? Like, everyone's quoting, like, you, you, the gypsy tears and, like, you will never get it. Like, everyone is doing the poor voice. It was so constantly quoted. 
and just like you watched it really late at night at like a friend's house <laughs> like you're watching Borat at like 2 a.m or Bor- Borat also went with like South Park like you're laying on the couch and every- you just stayed up to like all hours of the night just watching dumb like jackass on MTV just on repeat and then you're also watching yeah it was jackass and then like you'd flip over to comedy central central and then watch just get lost in some shit ass episode of south park which is actually really funny but then i think sometimes when i listen to south park i acted like i was more into it than i was into it i think there are some episodes that i will not they they i've laughed out loud like the there's one where it was just (laughs) making fun of like the republican party about um just has ever just doing have having to do with immigration and it was making fun of the republican party by saying that their jobs were going to be taken and like everyone's coming on the screen like different farmers and whatever and like they took our jobs and like it's just that over and over again it's stupid shit so like yes i find it funny but also like when i was young like in middle school at at like 2 30 in the morning i don't really think i was like I think I was, like, wanting to seem cool by liking South Park. But at the same time, I can, like, respect it and, like, find it funny now. But, yeah, Borat, too. Can you freaking, freaking believe it? He dresses up in a – he dresses up in a Trump costume, like, a really good one, and, like, crashes a Mike Pence speech. I mean, it's – I love – I think that's why I love Impractical Jokers so much is because I have an obs- I have an obsession with like watching people like get scared and then watching people be fooled and then but like it has to be really funny like punked got old and like I don't like big elaborate things like I, I Impractical Jokers makes me laugh out loud because <laughs> you watch people just you have to watch them embarrass themselves in front of like just the general public and just say then do the craziest shit i mean it might i've got the biggest shit eating grin from ear to ear right now it is so funny but i think that's why i love borat so much i love just watching the general re i love general reaction from public from the public i think obviously because i'm obsessed with human behavior so man there is nothing funnier than watching people get scared am i i'm so yes i know i'm right right nothing funnier than watching somebody get scared and especially around Halloween time I love to I love to pull up good old YouTube and just watch there's these string of killer clown um pranks man that he will you will cry laughing get on YouTube and man they are so good people getting chased by clowns in the park Um, people walking up to like an over they're like coming back from a movie and they're walking into the parking garage and they've set up this this body this fake body and this killer clown and he has like a big mallet and he he, like smashes his head and blood goes everywhere and these kids like shit their pants and run I highly I highly recommend to get into the spirit of Halloween because y'all we don't this hurts my soul it hurts my soul we're not gonna have Halloween this year the way that it really would be I know that there are neighborhoods especially around where I our governor is allowing trick-or-treating and like neighborhoods to decide what they want to do for trick-or-treating which all power to it all power to it you know you have to make your own decisions whatever you feel is necessary 
I'm just a big, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big advocate that do what feels right for you. Um, and don't worry about anyone else. I, I just think, I mean, we have to worry about other people, but I think at this point people just need to make their own decisions and stand by them and then just walk through with grace and just extend grace. So as I'm getting into this deep soapbox about um, Halloween and trick-or-treating, I'm going to bring it back. I'm also realizing that my speech is a little, there's been a couple times where I've slipped up and the tongue is just feeling a little lazy tonight. But um, back to trick-or-treating, we have to take a moment to mourn. And I mean really mourn with me in light of talking about watching people get scared. There's nothing I love more than going and getting scared. And I need to take a couple of moments right here, right now, and mourn haunted houses because they're they're going to be gone. They're gone. This I, I, I've not heard of one thing happening unless I'm just in the dust. But normally around this time, USS Nightmare is already, there's already, you know, things piping up about that, everything else, dense schoolhouse, USS Nightmare is a old um, USS tugboat or whatever. It's like just an old, um, it's an old ship that they turn into like a haunted attraction on the Ohio River. And, you know, I went last year and I will say before I walk into any haunted event, I legitimately get scared for like five seconds. I'm like, what if this is the one that really fucks me up? Because when I get into a simulated environment, I know that it's simulated like instantly. So I can like, once I get scared once or twice and like, whoo, like get a little spook or get a jump, I'm typically like back in my body and like can I I know that I'm with actors and I can like interact with the actors so I like interact with the haunted house people or like I'll be like act like I'm really scared and like run through screaming and like there was this one time where we were in the USS nightmare and there was like a door that was closed (laughs) and I like held onto the door was like screaming and like trying to pull it open, like, like, let us in. Like, I just, I get an absolute rile out of it. But we're not going to have those. I'm not going to have, we're not going to have them this year. And it's just the saddest, it's the saddest thing. And hopefully they will come back. God bless America. We need them. Something I've always wanted to do, which I don't know if I'll actually have the guts, is do one of those really crazy really crazy haunted houses like the blackout where you have to sign a waiver and like they 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 simulate like waterboarding but like okay I know that sounds really dark and crazy and like I don't like that I don't think I could do that but I have read message boards of people explaining like room for room what happens and I mean like once again like I'm really scared before I go into one of these things and then once I'm in them I'm like miraculously like I I like know that they're act like I can I can separate the fact that they're actors and like oh we're like in this thing I don't know if I can do it I don't know if I can do it with those I don't know I've thought about it um speaking of scary so currently okay right now in North Carolina I found this out and I was um found this out a while ago and then like was like kind of looking at it just to see what production status and everything it's filming right now in North Carolina they're bringing back Scream I know I know I know it's gonna be phenomenal it's gonna be Scream 5 and Nev Campbell who's in every single Scream has been the main character Sydney Prescott the entire series is about her she is returning 
Um, also, Courtney Cox and David Arquette are both returning to reprise their their roles as Dewey and was it Gwen? What was her name? She's like the weather. She's the weather lady. But they like get together in the movies because like in real life they were married and then like then they got divorced and then David Arquette is like totally off the wild deep end. What Evie cakes. So that's exciting, except yes, it is not going to be out until it's saying January of 2022, which I like I understand the year, but I also think that putting it out in January is like interesting, you know? So that, you know, there's just so many, there's just been so, so much good news for the birthday month. And then I found out that there's going to be allegedly two more Jokers. I know for a fact there's going to be a sequel. Joaquin Phoenix confirmed it. And then I did hear, I did hear that they confirmed two, which is like, I mean, I can't even get, I can't even explain to you the excitement. But also just like those, oh my God, those movies. Talk about dark. Those movies are, the Joker was so beautifully dark, man. Whoo, baby. The next one would probably take place because the last time we saw him was in um, the Arkham Institution. So it'd probably take up, take place there. Him trying to escape or escaping or always trying to escape and then kind of catching him and putting back. Who knows? But, and he just had a baby. Good old Joaquin. He just had a freaking baby. And you know what? Good for that guy because honestly, I had no idea he was dating Mara Rooney. Who wasn't she in Dragon Tattoo? Anyway, she's another kind of um, quirky, off, in, interesting actress, actor. Had they had a baby? You know, good for him. I think fatherhood will will, will bring him a little more stability. Man, I love that guy. He just seems like the softest. I mean, definitely a, definitely a mind. I mean, we're talking like we're like a different creative mind. But what a guy. What a freaking guy. Two more Jokers. I know. Cray cray. What else? Was there anything else that was like really awesome that... So you know what? I'm trying to find... I'm trying to find the things to just laugh about this month. I'm trying to take this month and not be so... I mean, that's hard. I mean, I, I say that and then I just experienced like a dip in mood like a couple days ago. So it's an everyday, it's an everyday thing, everyday thing right now, people. It's just two days you can feel good. You can, or in, in my case, it was like two days of just really just poor down hopelessness. I mean, just bottom out hopelessness and sad and like, I kept saying, I was like, I couldn't even tell you why. I was like, I, I have nothing to be sad about. I was like, that's like the, uh, that's like the sign of, so there's days. And then the next day you got to get up and you got to try to put your best foot forward and do your freaking best and you'll feel better. And then the next day you feel really great. I mean, I think that's the frustrating thing for me is like everything is so gray area right now. So I keep... You don't, f- you feel like you can't lean on anything stable, you know, like your days, your mood's not even stable, which when is it ever? But, and I think that's where you got to have faith, really lean on that faith that there's a bigger, knowing that there's even in the darkest of days right now, like there's a purpose, but understanding that we might not see it today. And we not not see it for a while. 
And that's hard to keep in the forefront every day. And you're not, okay, here's the truth. You're not going to keep it in the forefront of your mind every day. You're just not. Like the other days that I'm referring to for me, which was literally, yeah. You're not, it's, you can't put that in the forefront of your mind on those days where you just feel blah. And that's okay. I think when we start allowing and giving ourselves those days to just be blah, then we express it, feel it, and typically we'll bottom out naturally as humans. And then I feel like we then feel, okay, it's time for redemption. And and I'm talking in like such big, I feel like that's such a big like high stakes. But like, you know, after two shitty days, with mood and weather and you're just not and you're just not feeling yourself or up to par and like motivation and inspiration and creativity just seem to be lack thereof like it's okay to acknowledge that and then be like spend allow yourself to just blah and do whatever that means like allow yourself a day to do to really and honestly just do nothing and really Tell yourself that it's okay to do nothing and enjoy those moments of nothing and not making yourself feel guilty. I think that's super important. And I'm finding those those times harder and harder now that I'm having to like create my own schedule, my own boundaries. But, you know, doing the best that I freaking can. I think just like everyone. But yeah, that's something that I've realized that I used to have and used to really implement. And I find myself um, wanting to be out and to be doing more because I am working in my home and my home isn't necessarily my it is still on my my unwinding my unwinding space but um having to separate the work and the and the feeling of relaxation so yeah i just those are my thoughts on that okay let's um, i wanted to chat because it's fun too and i enjoy it and honestly there really wasn't a lot of there was a lot of like dark stuff in um pop culture this week that I think I just rather talk about things that I've watched in light of that's what we do on this podcast and in life right people we talk about and we share and we deep dive into what we watch so okay so a couple of things and touch on some things that I've consumed say things one more time Megan do it I dare you watch the social dilemma it is a documentary on Netflix and I knew it was going to be insane. You know, I knew it was going to, I knew it was going to really hit home with me because I am so, I am so in tuned with how much our technology is going to destroy us. And it's such a, it's such a, you know, happy or not happy medium. It's such like a double-ended sword. It's like, I need it. I'm, I'm, I'm addicted to my phone. And I also realize at the same time that, this what this documentary is about is scarily true and it's just I mean when we look at mental health so long story short that social dilemma it, there's a lot of it's all of these previous social media moguls have are creating or are the ones that are speaking out against the technology that they have created 
which has now created this world that we're in entering and going to be in for the rest of our lives. Some of the people, one of the main guys who was, I'd say like the main character or person was Tristan Harris. It's not Tristan, by the way, it's Tristan, which I think was bizarre. And I literally, Tristan, not Tristan, but I had to say that's just how. Anywho, Tristan Harris was the former Google ethicist, like technology ethicist. Another guy, his name was Jared Lanier. He was the founding father of virtual reality. Um, Tim Kendall was the former Facebook executive and president of Pinterest. I mean, these are just three. The list goes on of people that they had from all different, I mean, Google, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest. Um, I mean, they, they, they talked about, oh shit, what was the one that like, it was like super creative and then it went away. It didn't do well. Oh, that's going to bother me. Super fascinating. Essentially talking about we're, we're, we're going from the information age, which is what we're in right now to like the disinformation age. And we're doing it through social media apps. It's, it's all about like, it's all about surveillance capitalism and how our apps are, we're connected to everything. We're being fed exactly what they want us to see, to keep us on our phones. Because when we're on our phones, when we're on our screen time, I think that was the one thing I didn't really understand about like, okay, well, how is social media really like tearing away um, and really is taking us away? And I think the quote from the movie that really struck me was one of the guys was like, essentially think about it this way. How much of your life can we get you to give to us? How much of your life can we get you to spend on these apps? That's what we're going to try to do. And when you think about it like that, and then when you also pull in the mental health and the social media use connection, we, when we are uncomfortable, lonely, unsure, not trusting one another, like depressed, we reach for our phones. Somebody in the uh, documentary called it a digital pacifier to pacify, literally give us the hit to pacify us when we're feeling. So it's all about how these technology companies were creating, like we're programming us on a deeper level with our phones by there's actual, there's actual people's jobs within these companies um, to quote unquote, like growth hack. And their job is to literally hack the psychology of how we think, what we do, when do we look at our phones, what times, what do we look at, um, why do we, I mean, it's so bizarre. And the really cool thing about the documentary was simultaneously as the documentary is going on, they have a, um, this is so odd and try to, how to describe this, not like a reenaction, but it's with actors and it's a better reenaction but it's showing you a fictional story of a family and you're watching the family and their and their like a normal day and how when you're watching it from the outside it's very like black mirror so we're watching a documentary and these people are talking about you know what they've created what they've done and now what they are seeing what they're scared of what they're projecting um their fears from this like literally throwing everything on the floor of how when they were created something, they were trying to create it to like 
no, they all say that they had no expectation and no, they did not want it to turn into this, to like the addictiveness. And like the statistics are wild when we start to look at mental health in children. And like, so this was fascinating to me. It said that um, 1996 was the first generation who had social media in high school, 1996, which, eh. I think that's different. Social media on their phone in high school because we had social media, but we had to get on the computer to get on Facebook because I didn't have – we there, there wasn't such thing as, like, the iPhone yet. So we now – and it's crazy to think about that now kids are at a young age and they're just instantly growing up with the app, you know, with – Everything that is coming along with social media apps and Instagram and what the lonely and just cultivating loneliness and something that was supposed to like connect us, obviously, and it does connect us. Is it really connecting us in the way that is meaningful for human life? Like we as humans feel and need genuine connection. Like, um, I think something that I've missed so much is as an example is, and I thought about it the other day and it like dawned on me. I was like, Oh my God, like I see a ton of live music and I don't even realize it with, we have a venue here in Cincinnati. It's on the Ohio river. It's Riverbend, And it's something that I take for granted. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, Riverbend, you go and you get trash and you go to a meeting, you go listen to it. But it's like, no, it's freaking a venue on the river where a lot of big, big, music acts come through like that and you get to go to a concert on a freaking Wednesday night for like 20 bucks and like you know it's it's super crazy but that's genuine connection being when people with singing and having that union like the union a a sports event is another example of like genuine like human connection and um so yeah, it's that it's it's the whole it just dives really deep into what is actually happening. So if you're someone who's like, oh, like yeah, really, what is like my phone actually like taking? And like when you when you look at it and you read and you think, and then we start getting into, you know, how we are so easily manipulated by the content that we take in because now with anyone being able to post anything, we don't know credibility. We don't know if it's actual facts. So we're fighting and arguing on, you know, exaggerated news on both sides. Like this is not, and I am not going to go anywhere fucking political with a five stick, seven stick pull on this, on this podcast. But let's just say that both, I, I can't even, um, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say there. It's actually speechless. But, um, yeah, so it just, if you want to dig into that, I mean, it's, I think everyone should personally, I think this kind of stuff should be implemented now with something that is so powerful that is in our hands that completely it, and the way that this documentary does it with this, like this fictional storyline happening alongside it as well is very interesting, but yeah, it's, it's real people. And I mean, it's just crazy. There was this one, what was the one? It was MIT had a study that it said fake news travels six times faster on Twitter than real news. Like, I think one of the 
that is scary because then we started talking they were interviewing some of the um some of the people you know in the previous positions and they were asking them what they're really afraid of you know and all of them mentioned civil war and i they like comment and they know that that sounds extreme but then when you see where where we're at right now and like we have to understand that like it's only going to get more AI. I mean, we're already living with AI. It's already happening. It's already knowing our every move, our every, so like we just are, con- it rules us. The screen time rules us because it's just consistent advertising and brainwashing. And the longer we spend, the longer we, the more money the other make. And we are just selling our souls and selling our lives to staring at a screen. It's just facts, baby. Facts, baby. Let's talk about you and me. And um, so, yeah, the social dilemma. I know it sounds really dark and you're like, I don't want to ruin my night, but it's actually extremely fascinating. I think everyone should watch it. Something I don't think everyone should watch is. Actually, you know what? No, I'm somebody who's a believer that I think you should watch everything and just watch it and you got to find something in it. Even if it's a shit pot movie, you find something that you like and you and you just see the good in it. Except we I watched Spree which is a um, new horror movie starring Joe Keery, who was the who was Steve in Stranger Things. The movie got 61% on Rotten Tomatoes. I, after watching it, at first, that's what made me watch it. Not going to lie. I was like, you know what? 61%. It's, it's an independent horror. It's got Joe Keery. He's really good. The concept is he plays this um, outsider teen who is trying to create a social media following and decides to do so by killing people in his um, uber which it's not called uber it's called spree and sets up cameras in his car and then goes on a but he has like a moral code which I thought was interesting it wasn't just like a slaughterhouse so there was that at the same time man it just wasn't It just wasn't, it it felt lower than a 61% for me. I personally, but, so yeah, it's all about that. So like the concept is extremely interesting and very like, like real life, like a kid getting so obsessed with like getting a following and getting followers and like, am I doing it yet? Like, do I have to do this? And like just doing these really crazy things. The script and the acting, it's just, it, it just, it's, it just comes a little bit short. It just doesn't quite reach there and you want it to and you hang on the whole movie because, but you know, it was interesting. I think that's where I'm going to leave it at that. So out of, out of, um, poisoned water bottles out of that, I'd say I'd give it like a two out of five po- uh, poisoned water bottles. You get it. If you know, you know. You got to watch it to understand. Okay, next up, something else that I will chat about uh, came out on Netflix. I believe it came out this week or last week, but still. Yeah, it was a couple days ago over the weekend. So, okay, the end of September. Anyways, Anolia Holmes came out on Netflix. It was a movie hitting at a 92% of Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty, it's amazing. Actually, it's amazing. It's I'm not shocked that it got that it has that rating. So it stars um, Millie Bobby Brown, who's 11 in Stranger Things. I know coincidence, and it has Henry Cavill, um, Helena Boehm Carter, um, Sam. F- 
I don't know his last name um, from the Hunger Games theory series and other things, whatever. So it has a great cast, a studded cast. It's cute. It's light. It's fluffy. It's about um, Sherlock Holmes's younger sister. So Sherlock and Mycroft Holmes' younger sister, Anolia, growing up with the, her mother and then her mother disappears. And it's this whole thing of she's trying to find her while also trying to stay hidden from her brothers who are trying to find her. So it's cute. It's fun. I love Sherlock Holmes. Always have. I'll watch anything that is Sherlock Holmes, whether it's uh, the Robert Downey Jr. or the Benedict Cumberbatch was one of my favorite series. Oh my God, it's so good. They're literally like miniature movies. How do you not love that? And how do you not love a psycho, nutty detective? who essentially has superpowers in my mind. Like Sherlock Holmes is like a superhero in my eyes. So super cute. Okay, I watched The Devil all the time. Once again, on Netflix. Netflix just, I, Netflix does pump the content out. There's not, I mean, besides HBO, like I really find myself just kind of living within there. Um, HBO is making me die and I need to get it stat because I need to get back on that game. Um, the Devil All the Time, starring um, Robert Pattinson, um, Tom Holland, a couple other people. It's this, it takes place in like a backwoods, small community where they're like, I'm pretty sure it took place in like a, in a West Virginia or like a backwoods Ohio community. And it's all about the like weird and it's, insane relationship within like the like Pentecostal churches I think Pentecost like that kind of situation where man you were like just religion to like this this severe degree that sometimes it's not and then also it was just a lot of themes with like what's evil and evil and the devil so it was very interesting it was drama you know obviously thriller really moving and like very I was very impressed on like on first glance very impressed with like the cinematography of the movie it felt like it had a budget it didn't feel cheap um the cast was great it it felt like a movie that I would not expect to watch on Netflix even after seeing like the Irishman and some of the other ones um really really good what's shocking about this is that and this is just where I like I'm not someone who always listens to Rotten Tomatoes or I really take it into an ex- ex- extreme account, I'll check the score just to kind of get a feeler of what like critics think versus what audience thinks. And then I obviously always make, make my own opinion because Spree was 61% and The Devil All the Time was 65%. And I'm going to tell you what, they were completely different movies. I mean, from quality to script to acting, I mean, absolutely everything to score, I mean, not in not even in the same ballpark, but then The Devil All the Time did get an 81% audience score, which makes sense because I think it was like a Netflix movie and I think they all, they kind of already just get docked down a little bit because of that, which I don't think is like right, but whatever, but it, it makes up with the audience score there. So highly recommend if you're into that kind of, sl- it, it's, it is a little slower, but by slower, it just moves It's not like high action, but there is a lot of really like shocking stuff like through sprinkled throughout the entire movie. So like you're not it it keeps you engaged. And then when you see Robert Pattinson, you're like, what the F is going on? And then when you hear his southern accent, you're like, "Uh, 
I'm sorry. Like, are you going to like win an Oscar this year? Because you're just like whipping out these really crisp, clean characters, even though you still kind of have like an Edward Cullen glance every, every time and again. But I'm, I was really, I was really impressed with his like all around and then was really impressed with him when I went and saw Lighthouse. I mean, Lighthouse was very avant-garde and artsy and it was the whole point and black and white and very just like it was like scene work I've t- talked about it in a previous when the previous podcast I go deeper into it but very interesting and very more familiar of what um when you do live theater and when you do like one-on-one scene work in that atmosphere that's what lighthouse was like it was very much that one-on-one ping pong match scene work but on screen Um, But it's all about the dialogue and all about the very small because they're typically in seated. It's always like seated or in a room or something. Um, Not typically or always, but that's like normally a sign. But man, he's really pumping it out. Okay, this next thing is absolutely blue. Blew my top off. It's another documentary. God, they're pumped. I love me a doc. I love me a good nasty doc, except this is not nasty. This was one of the most amazing, beautiful, relaxing pieces of bodies of work I have ever seen. It's on Netflix. It's called My Octopus Teacher. It's a 90% six audience score. I'm honestly want to watch it again. Probably will watch it again. It's about a burnt out filmmaker who completely walks away from walks away from making film walks away from anything of that nature is just has been in the industry has lost his sense of like creativity and passion and one of the last things that he did was he watched um he went was down in Africa and he was filming animal trackers and these these men in these tribes who lit, literally track these animals by every kind of animal based on you know from scat to prints to just one of the craziest things and that was so he that was like one of his last bodies of work that he did he lives in South Africa he's married he has a son and he just feels like he's completely lost in his life things in his marriage are eh he doesn't feel like he can be a sufficient father to his son in his most like primitive years growing and he decides that he needs to he needs a call on inspiration. So what, what thinking back, he's like, where can I pull from? And he thought of like, where did he feel in his childhood, um, spending a lot of time it like in the ocean, and then also was thinking about that time watching those animal trackers brought him such like he was just so taken with it. So this guy freaking goes and starts diving. Um, in this like kelp right off the shore in the waters of South Africa, which, and I'm like, are you shitting me? That is great white shark city. Every documentary ever known to man with anyone diving or doing cage diving with it's happening in South Africa. Like that's where sharks or great whites are just living and breeding and like hanging out. But this guy is just free diving in the cold ass waters of South Africa. He goes, starts going every single day to swim. He talks about, how he learned to like really dive and swim when he's not using any gear. He just snorkels, but then he like will be underwater. He talks about like training his lungs and like how if you just keep going and going and going, your body adapts and you can start to like hold your breath for these long periods of time. 
Then he starts to set up cameras, and the whole story is he runs into this little octopus, and he starts to study her, and it's like this instant connection, and he starts, he was like, well, what if I just went and saw her every day? So he literally sets up cameras all around her den and swims and does the same swim at the same time and goes and visits her every day, and it tracks every single day, and this relationship that they develop and this octopus trusting him and like touching him and swimming and attaching onto him and it's this whole story and you he watch it as it goes through it's you watch it um in the environment and he's studying it and like it becomes like he says he talks about it becomes like this obsession he's always wondering what she's doing and but it's this very beautiful story and I you watch this octopus which I had no idea that octopus only live for 365 days they live for a year and that's just their life expectancy and then they die no idea had no idea y'all this documentary is phenomenal it was visually put me felt like I was drugged it was so calming because it's underwater and just the sounds of underwater and watching everything move and the coral and watching the animals it's visually stunning the con watching this it's you I mean I cried I fucking cried like I I can't even it was so please do yourself a favor and go watch it my god it was so good and then I gotta talk about the OG movie like before I watched it this past weekend and before there was Hocus Pocus there was Practical Magic y'all if you have not watched Practical Magic the OG witch the witches with starring a young Sandra Bullock and a young Nicole Kidman, you were out of your damn mind. It, you have got to watch it. I'm not like, this is a movie that I watch every Halloween. Oh, it makes me, it's has some of the best quotes. Sandra Bullock is like amazing. It's about a f- family or this family of women who get this curse thrust upon them because it all starts back with, the grandmother who they come from a line of witches and this curse that they're never going to fall in love um, is placed on them. And then so like through time, then they have like the next generation and the woman like anytime a woman like gets married or finds love, if they hear a beetle sing, you, they know that de- like death is around the corner and like the husband's probably going to die. So like all of the men and the all of the dads are <laughs> – explaining this so sloppily but Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock's dad died and then the same thing happened to um their mom's dad so and then it's all about some exciting but scary thing happening to Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock has to come in and save her and then it's messing with some spirits a um not a poltergeist, but when it takes over your, oh my God, when it, <laughs> oh my God, when it goes, takes over exorcism. There's an exorcism. There's a love story. There's spells. There's a fun, um, there's a fun dance scene at midnight with margaritas dancing around the kid. It's such a good movie. And here's the shocking part about it too. 
weakness is why I don't listen to Rotten Tomatoes. 22% on Rotten Tomatoes, but a 73 audience percent score. And it's also one of those like kind of cult classic movies where it's like also it's like very girl power too, which I love. But oh, it's so good. So you got to watch it. You must watch it. Watching reality TV, it's been so difficult. Watching reality TV with no audiences, man. Whew. It's rough. Watching Dancing with the Stars with no audience. I love it because I love watching people and I love watching people watching people. So I love watching the audience. I love seeing who's in the audience of Dancing with the Stars. The American Country Music Awards were freaking weird ass butt because they were empty audiences and like the people were getting on and like doing their – it was just – I get it, but like I'm so over it. I'm so overseeing it. The freaking – Thanksgiving Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is going to be pre-taped and there's not going to be an it's just shit and then we have Christmas rolling around with Michael Buble who is a freaking freak I'm not even going to get into that because I've already we won't get into that now it's just stay positive right stay positive people okay I wanted to end the episode with a fun little game I wanted to play a fun little game and I read this list and I thought it was, it made me laugh out loud and I wanted to like go through it on the podcast. Just, it was the top 10 celebrities that it's saying that people we don't care about anymore. And I was like, okay, this is, this is a fun game. Like I want to play this game. So number 10 of celebrities that we don't allegedly don't care about anymore. Number 10 is Jamie Lee Curtis. And I do have to say that Jamie Lee Curtis has contributed a lot to society. Um, Halloween, Freaky Friday. I know she's been in more, but, you know, those are the things that have, especially her performance in Freaky Friday. I mean, we cannot forget. Also really contributing to the digestive systems of America by being Activia's spokesperson. So I think that's phenomenal, too. I Do we really? I, I think we care about Jamie Lee Curtis, I, Right. I think she's worthy. I mean, she was just in the like remake of Screen or Halloween, which was like one of the worst movies I think I've ever seen in my life. And like there were some of the weirdest sexual lines in that movie that just stunned me and my family when we saw it in movie theaters together. But besides that, so I'm going to go ahead and just give a stamp of approval that I think we, I, we, not I think, we still care about Jamie Lee Curtis. I think she still has her, she still has her thing going when you see her. Oh, Christmas with the Cranks. Oh, come on. Yeah, for sure. She's a treasure. Number nine, celebrities we don't care about anymore. Allegedly. Jen Aniston. I, I don't agree. I don't agree. Jennifer Aniston, unfortunately, is timeless. So you can't get rid of her. I feel like she's come into her prime even after Rachel with Friends, which I'm, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to say it right here. I've said it before on this podcast. I'm not a big friends gal. Never have, never will be. Don't understand it. I, I get it. And at the time, it was like part of the culture. And it was like very much about that. And I understood all about that culture life. And like, but I tried to rewatch it. I did find some things funny, like some storylines. But I'm not super obsessed. I'm not super obsessed with it. And Jen Aniston has put out some funny, some funny movies, man. You know, just good, just like wholesome, funny. And then she was in a, she was in Meet the, Meet the Roberts. That's butchering, I'm butchering that. But whatever one where she's traveling with Jason Sudeikis and with Emma Roberts and that other kid with the freckles who's been in a bunch of stuff and, you know, he's a great. But that one where they're like not married, but they are carrying drugs across and they're in the RV. That, that's a great, that's a hilarious movie. 
Um, I mean, there's a, why or not horrible bosses. I mean, she was in the Adams. I love her and Adam Sandler and the one where they go to the Bahamas. See, all these movies are like have like the dumbest titles. So I like cannot keep them all. I cannot keep up all of all of Adam Sandler's and Jane Aniston's movies. But yeah, obviously we still care about Jennifer Aniston. I think that one is completely mis misguided. That's a misguided. As so is number eight, Denzel Washington. Motherfucker, we still care about Denzel Washington. That's another man who's pumped out some amazing, like, high, high heartbeat thriller movies. Book of Eli is really great. I mean, he does, he, he puts out work. Freaking the movie with Dakota Fanning. Ugh, and she gets kidnapped. I cannot. Denzel Washington puts out grief. Is a phenomenal actor. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I... You know what? If no one else cares about Denzel, which I know is not true, I care about Denzel Washington. And that's just, that's just going to go down here. Number seven, Will Smith. I, yeah, we care about, yeah, like Will Smith's not really doing a lot, but I will say he runs a really good, he has a really funny Instagram and like does some really creative shit on his Instagram posts. I Just the videos, the editing, they are very creative. He's freaking Will Smith. He was just the genie. Yeah, we still care about Will Smith. Now, here's one that actually makes sense. Number six. Coming at number six for celebrities who we don't allegedly care about anymore. Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan and You Got Mail and, you know, some other good flickies. Honestly, I'm going to go out here. She got a really terrible nose job and... And not even be not even before that, but I don't think we I don't think we care about I don't think we care about Meg Ryan. You know, some may her her, but I'm gonna go ahead and just say on this one. You know, we have to say no to some, right? I'm gonna give a no to Meg Ryan. Yeah, number five uh, celebrities we don't care about anymore. Adam Sandler, which I mean, once again, the guy's still currently doing shit. I mean, he just did that shit ass movie. <laughs> Oh, that was the worst movie on the face of the planet. And what was it called? Damn it. Uncut Gems. Oh my God. What a, what a crap movie. And I know people will fight me on that and that's fine. I'll stand on the side that says it's a crap movie. You know, I don't know. I can take him or leave him now. He's, he hasn't produced anything that's, like, made me laugh out loud in years. But he's obviously still, like, working and producing. But, like, eh, eh. That's what I say about that. Number four, Bruce Willis. I don't really care. Do you? I mean, yeah, he's brought some really great roles, sure. A Bruce Willis action film role. Some say great roles. I say great role in Sixth Sense, you know. Bruce Willis is somebody who I'm just going to like, I'm cool with if I'm pick, you know, I'm cool on this team. You know, celebrities don't really care about Bruce Willis. Eh. Number three, John Travolta. <laughs> John Travolta, man. Whew. The guy has just, the guy who just, I think every time he's at an event still is like, and like, you love John, I mean, you love Danny Zuko. Who doesn't love Danny Zuko? But John Travolta just ass ass butchering Idina Menzel's name at the Oscars will never will just I will never forget it we will never forget the night that John Travolta called Idina Menzel Adele Dazim live on the Oscars 
introducing her to sing let it go which was nominated at the oscars for best song that year and that was the performance can you not think of anything more severe that will throw you off course than john travolta saying if your name was if you are idina menzel about to sing the song live on the oscars because that's what they do all of the best songs they get performed live at the oscars and you get pronounced you get announced and he doesn't even just just say her name. I mean, he puts inflection in it. He adds an adjective before her name. The wickedly talented, because she's in Wicked, so he's trying to be punny. The wickedly talented Adele Dazim. And then, like, he, like, goes like this with his hand and, like, the camera pans. And you're like, I- I'm sorry, who? I thought we were about to watch Adele, uh, Idina Menzel sing Let It Go. John Travolta calls Idina Menzel Adele Dazim. The first one, I get it. Idina, Adele, sure, fine. Menzel Dazim? <laughs> How do you get Dazim from Menzel? I mean, they're just not even remotely in the same planet. Oh my god. I will never... So- does John Travolta matter anymore? Do we care about him? I don't really think so. And God bless. I do have to say this. I have to put this little quip in. R.I.P. Um, Kelly Preston. My God, what a loss. That was a little bit shocking. John Travolta's wife, Kelly Preston, passed from finally, um, not finally, but Jesus, losing her battle to breast cancer. I just had to give her some love and some light and some recognition on this podcast. I'm not going to steer it dark, and we're going to keep rolling. Number two, Cuba Gooding Jr. Okay, this one I have to do admit. We have to admit, the guy hasn't done anything in forever. I'm sorry, Cuba. You've you've contributed it. Um, you've contributed your, your sake. Rat Race it was one of your best films. I love it forever. But I'm going to have to go ahead and say no, no. And the number one celebrity we don't care about anymore is Nicolas Cage. And you know what? That's allegedly on the list. And here's what I'm going to say about Nicolas Cage. Like Keanu Reeves, he has a weird, people have a weird fascination with Nicolas Cage. And as Jim Carrey refers to him as Nick Cage, because he's, I guess Nick Cage is like this whole, he's a loon. He's pretty kooky. Um, If you look up pictures of him, I mean, he's always doing weird shit. He's kind of like, I mean, him and Jim Carrey are like really tight close friends and like I know that because like I hang out with them <laughs> like I don't but like I've watched enough inter- or watched enough nerdily watched interviews with Jim Carrey and watching him talk about his buddy Nick Cage so you know Nicolas Cage I'm gonna say oddly enough I think people care about him I think people give a shit and I th- is he's he's gonna be playing you know Joe Exotic here so we're gonna have to give a shit about him so that's that that is that well y'all this has been lovely this has been lovely I'm glad we got to you know start October off together I look forward to celebrating my birthday month I'm thinking of possibly I've been wanting to dive into M. Night's movies so bad and just deep dive them hardcore and I think I'm I think I just need to give that birthday present to myself you know yeah if you're still listening, thank you so much for spending your time with me. I have enjoyed this little vocal exorcism. And uh, I hope you have a phenomenal week. 
phenomenal week and I will talk to you next time.